This is Redemption Radio with Pastor Cody King of Redemption Calvary in Commerce City, Colorado. Here's a preview from Pastor Cody of today's message. Jesus' fulfillment of the law is for you because you couldn't. No matter how hard you tried, no matter how much you did, no matter how much effort you put in, you started from failure and you lived in failure until the day of receiving Jesus' gift of salvation. You see, Jesus fulfilled the law. He, He accomplished the purpose of the law for you. Those who conclude that the law is bad, what what they have is a tainted mindset. They have the wrong kind of a mindset. Astoundingly, in the New Testament, Jesus says that he did not come to abolish the Old Testament law. Instead, he came to fulfill its purpose. Pastor Cody reminds us today that the law was always a good thing. If we think that Jesus came because the law was bad, we are mistaken. And yet, By fulfilling the law, Jesus has given us something better. Pastor Cody explains that the law was limited in that it could reveal sin, but could not solve sin. But Jesus' sacrifice has the power to save us from our sin. Now, turn in your Bible to the book of Romans chapter 7 and join Pastor Cody for today's edition of Redemption Radio. For when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. You see, the sinful passions that bear fruit to death is is to say that there's a natural consequence of being married to the law. That the law, what it does is it actually provokes you and your flesh and that produces death. It's the same way that sin is natural for the unbeliever, so too bringing glory to God is a supernaturally natural produce of the believer. That, that you don't really have to try to bring death out of your life when, you don't, when you're not in Christ. I know I didn't. I know I wasn't trying necessarily to bring death. Actually, I was trying to live my best life now. I was trying to do the best thing I could. I was trying to live for me. I was trying to get mine. I was trying to make sure I was taken care of. And the more I sought me, the more death I produced. It's a frustrating cycle. It's terrible to go down that hole. It's terrible to to see that that I'm trying so hard to, to build life and all that's coming out of it is death. But when I submitted my life to Jesus when I died to myself, when I stopped trying to do my own thing my own way, I found that Jesus produced life within me. There was fruit that came out of my life that could come no other way. You see, verse six tells us, but now we've been delivered from the law and having died to what we were held by so that we should serve in the newness of the spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. You see, bearing fruit through serving the flesh or serving the spirit is what we're talking about. You're going to serve yourself. You're going to serve your flesh or you're going to serve the spirit of God. And either one is going to bring fruit. There's a produce. There's a result that comes out of that. You see, you're going to bear fruit. The question is, what kind of fruit is produced? Is it, is it fruit with the stench of decay and death? Or is it fruit that is, brings freshness and life? What's, what's the result? What's coming out of you and your effort? Notice it says there in verse six, so that. See it halfway through the verse there? So that we should serve in the newness of the spirit. You see, when you identify with the death of Jesus for your salvation, you're delivered from the need to keep the law and it's fruit that produces death. 
now you're served not just to nothingness. You're not served to sit on the couch. You're served to now to go into the Lord. You're, 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 you're saved to serve the, the Lord. Saved to produce for the, for the things of the Spirit. That's where it says there, the newness of the Spirit. You see, the legalist will try to earn favor with God by keeping the law instead of realizing that all of their striving to keep the law isn't producing life, it's producing death. But instead, I serve by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not that I don't do something because I'm saved by grace, it's how I do it that changes and is transformed. So let's look at this second piece together. Not only is the law binding, but the law is not bad. Verses seven through 12. Look at verse seven, the first part there, it says this, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. So we have this another rhetorical question being asked to us, a question that demands a certain answer, that as he asks the question, the answer is demanded from it. And he says, essentially the the train of thought is, if I'm to die to the law, the same way I'm to die to sin, then if I don't serve by the law, then is the law bad? I mean, if I'm not serving the law, if I don't, if I'm not saved by the law, if I'm not doing what the law says, doesn't, doesn't that make the law bad? Doesn't the law now become sin because I'm supposed to die to it? See here, if the law is sinful, then that means God messed up. You know, if we look back and we say, God, your law is sinful, your natural law is sinful, your, your law and your word, it's sinful, then that means that God messed up and that it had to be corrected. And so, you know, Jesus, when he came to the earth and he, he did his thing, he abolished the law, right? He got rid of the law. When Jesus lived and, and, and taught us a new way, didn't he get rid of the law? Isn't like the Old Testament, God messed stuff up and then the New Testament, God corrected all of it? Absolutely not. Jesus talks to this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. He says it like this. Don't misunderstand why I've come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. Jesus specifically says the law is not abolished in him. That's not the point. That's not what he was doing. Jesus came for the express purpose of accomplishing the purpose of the law. You see, the law is good. It's not bad. Jesus didn't get rid of it. He fulfilled it, but he didn't fulfill the law for himself. He's God. He's perfect. He's already holy. He's already just. He's already completely fulfilled the law because of the, the law is simply a revelation of his perfection. Jesus' fulfillment of the law is for you because you couldn't. No matter how hard you tried, no matter how much you did, no matter how much effort you put in, you started from failure and you lived in failure until the day of receiving Jesus' gift of salvation. You see, Jesus fulfilled the law. He, he accomplished the purpose of the law for you. Those who conclude that the law is bad, what, what they have is a tainted mindset. They have the wrong kind of a mindset. And that's what he's pointing out for us is that our mind has to change. And this mindset of people who conclude that the law must be bad, it's the mindset of people who refuse to take personal responsibility. Those who just say, you know what? It's, it's the problems out there. If that changed, if society was different, if this system was different, if we just, if we just shifted this political system over this way, if it was the, the Democrats in power, if it was the Republicans in power, if we got rid of all of it and it was socialism, if we, if we just changed it, if it's, if it's this thing out there, then that's going to fix the issue. This is a victim mentality. This is a completely crazy mentality that never results in anything because it never takes personal responsibility. 
I don't care who we elect, stuff's going to get worse. I don't care who's in charge, it's not going to go the right way because no matter how good they are, no matter how hard they want to fight for us, they are fallen. The people are not perfect. And so putting our hopes in some sort of thing out there, putting our hopes in the system changing, putting our, our hopes in, well, if I had a different boss, then stuff would be right. If I just lived, worked in that, that place over there instead of this place, if I had a different husband, if I had a different wife, if I just didn't have these kids, if I had more kids, if I, if I drove that car, it's always out there. And people who think that way don't take personal responsibility because they don't understand that the problem is actually inside. That's the whole mentality of people who say that the law is bad. You see, you can have freedom or you can have blame, but you can't have both. If you want freedom, then you have to stop blaming everybody else. You have to stop saying that it's, it, you're, you're the victim. You have to stop saying that you're the one that if, you know, if I just had a better hand dealt to me, then, then things would be different. You can say that all you want, but that victim mentality is going to keep you in prison. It's going to keep you held captive and you're not going to have freedom. You see, you gain freedom through personal responsibility. That's where you gain freedom. And so that's what he's calling us to. Of course, the law is not bad. The law is not the problem. You see, if the law is bad, then it's the problem and I'm not bound to keep the law. Then I don't have to worry about the law. No, that's, that's not the issue. First Timothy 1.8 says this, we know that the law is good when it's used correctly. The law has a point. The law has a purpose. The law has a drive to it. There is a reason why God gave us the law. And it wasn't so you could get saved. It actually, we're told here, it actually produces death. So, so how can this be a good thing? How can this be something that is, that is appropriate or right? Why, why did God give me this if all it does is produce death within me? Well, the law does have a purpose. And it might not be what you think. And in verses 7 through 10, we're actually given three things that the law does. What does it do? What's its driving purpose for us? Well, the second half of verse 7 gives us the first part, the first thing that the law does. Notice chapter 7, verse 7, the second part of it. He says this, certainly not. On the contrary, I would not have known sin except through the law. For I would not have known covetousness unless the law said, you shall not covet. The first thing the law does is it reveals sin. It shows you what sin is. And this also in the second part of verse seven is the sixth thing that you need to know. Do you see it there? I would not have known sin. That, that the sixth thing you need to know in order to win your war with sin is that there's more sin in you than you're willing to admit. There's more in you. That, that when you think you're done, with the sinfulness and you're, you're totally clean and you're good now, there's actually way more lurking in the dark corners of your soul than you're willing to admit. You have to know that. You've got to come to terms with that. Because when Jesus reveals more sin to you, you're going to get devastated if you don't understand this principle, if you don't understand this idea. Or you're going to think that you're good and you're actually living in blatant sin. Everyone else looks at you and says, man, you are a jerk. Nobody likes to be around you. Just sin is coming out of you all the time, but you don't even have a clue. You have no idea because you think you're totally, you're totally good. You ever had something on your face and you just had no idea? And you're maybe at a social gathering or, or whatever, you know, you're at this, you're at a wedding and you're eating at the reception or you're, you know, you're hanging out at the bowling alley or whatever. And you've got, you got something on your face and you're walking around with this on your face and you don't know until you go to the bathroom and you look and you see it on your face and you're like, I have terrible friends. 
why did nobody tell me that I had this stuff all over me? Like what in the world is going on? You know, you realize it once you saw yourself in the mirror, but you know what? The mirror is limited in what it can do. The only thing the mirror can do is show you that you're dirty. It can do absolutely nothing to clean you. It can do absolutely nothing to to cleanse your face of the filth that's on it. You've got to do something else to clean your face. That's exactly what the law of God is. It reveals your sin, but that's all it can do. The power that the law has is to show you your sinfulness. Here's where you're failing. Here's where you're not like God. Here's where you messed up. Here's where you don't amount to enough. Here's where you're not stacking up. And yet it doesn't have the power to bring any, any cleansing into your life. And, and we're shown here as a, an example, the 10th commandment. See that there in verse seven? He says, for I wouldn't have known covetousness unless the law said, you shall not covet. I, I wouldn't even know that that was a thing. I would have just thought I have this desire for stuff. I, it's just in me. I want things and that's, I mean, I, I feel it, right? It's in there, so it can't be bad. It must not be bad because I feel it and God made me this way. And so I must want stuff and that's good. That, that is completely the opposite of how Christianity works. That's the opposite of the, the basic premise of Christianity. No, just because you feel it and you want it doesn't make it good. That doesn't mean it's right. Doesn't mean it's appropriate. That we have to actually submit ourselves to the things of the Lord. And so the 10th commandment is used to drive this thought deep. Now the 10th commandment, if you were with us in our series through the 10 commandments, that was a powerful time together. If you you weren't, I'd encourage you, all of it's online, go check it out on our YouTube page or our, our website. It was a great time. The 10th commandment is this idea of of you shall not covet. And it's the final commandment in the list there of the 10 commandments. And it's unique because all of the nine commandments before this one had to do with outward actions, stuff you did on the outside. But this commandment has the audacity to target what you desire. It looks inside of you, not just out here. You know, it's not the same as don't murder, don't commit adultery. That's out there. He says, what's inside you? What's happening within you? What are, you, what are your desires all about? It's not outward actions that are targeted. It's inward attitude. You see, people are generally completely unaware of this in their lives. They don't even think about this in their lives. But listen, you can be unaware of it and God still sees it in you. And he uses his word, his law, to show it to you. That's the first thing that the law does. The second thing that the law does is it arouses sin. Verses eight and nine. Verse eight says this, but sin taking opportunity by the commandment produced in me all manner of evil desire. For apart from the law, sin was dead. I was alive once without the law, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. The second thing that the law does is it arouses sin within us. Our fallen nature is rebellious. If you didn't know that, have some kids and figure it out. You'll find out that they just are born as little rebels. And as soon as we're told we can't, isn't that the first thing you want to do? As soon as someone says, don't do this, that's the first thing within you that you want to do. There was a a hotel in Florida and they built it right on the water. So this beautiful hotel built right on the water. And one of the things that they were worried about as they opened the hotel was, you know, since it was so close to the water, they didn't want people to fish from the balcony. They thought that would be a horrible thing that would actually be, you know, really terrible. And so they put some signs up 
And they said, no fishing from the balcony. And you know what happened? People fish from the balcony like crazy. You know, they're, they're casting their lines in from the balcony. They're, they have these big weights on there, so they're breaking windows. There's fishing lines hanging all over because the hooks got stuck in the building, so there's hooks hanging off and fishing line hanging off. It reeks of the smell of fish in the hotel. And they had a massive, massive problem. And you know how they fixed the problem? They took the signs down. That's how they fixed the problem. They just took the sign down that said no fishing from the balcony. And the result was people didn't, it didn't even come into their minds to fish from the balcony. The, the law of don't fish from the balcony provoked within people, I should do that. That's a great idea. Let's jump headlong into this thing because I'm told I can't. You see, when the, the law says don't, our rebellious attitudes want to. We just want to jump into that. And, the, and sin within us, sinful desire within us, uses the law as an opportunity to revive itself. That's where it says in, in verse 9, sin revived and I died. I thought I was in control. I thought I was doing well. But the law provoked sin within me. The third thing that the law does is it actually empowers sin Verses 10 and 11. Look at verse 10. It says this, And the commandment which was to bring life, I found to bring death. For sin taking occasion by the commandment deceived me, and by it killed me. See, the third thing that it does is it empowers sin. That's what the law does. The strength of the law is in revealing sin. That's where the power of the law is found. It, it shows you your sin. And that causes sin's grip to harden around your soul. That's the result. As, as sin is revealed, its grip hardens around your soul. Here's how 1 Corinthians 15, 56 says it. For sin is the sting that results in death. And the law, notice this, the law gives sin its power. The law is what empowers sin's grip and that sting of death. You see, sin, what it does is it manipulates the law's power to cheat you. It's like a, a really, I'll use the word talented salesman who's able to point out all the good things and hide all the bad stuff. And you don't realize that you bought something you didn't really want and something that didn't work the way that you thought it was going to until it's too late. And that you've, you've got this thing, you know, you don't, you don't really know the real cost. It's all hidden because of this, the way the salesman is. That's what sin does. Sin uses the power of the law to cheat you, to take from you. That's where it says there in verse 11 at the very end, and by it killed me. You see, sin makes you think you're gaining freedom. It makes you think you're getting something. I'm getting free from this law. I'm getting away from this, this restriction that the law is binding. It's holding me down. It's keeping me away from what I really want, that this is what I feel. This is what I think I need. This is who I really am. And I just need to go into this. And when you do, you find that you are a slave you're not free. You find that you're on the wrong side of the bars. You're imprisoned by that thing. And the only thing that it's driving you to is death, not the life that you think you're going to get from it. You see, you're not going to win your war with sin by ignoring it or pretending that the law is really bad because it reveals sin or trying really hard to keep the law. Look at verse 12. Here's the conclusion. Therefore, the law is holy. The commandment is holy and just and good. You see, we could get to the end of this, get to verse 11 and say, man, the law sounds terrible. I mean, it reveals sin, it arouses sin, it empowers sin. 
sounds like the law and sin are really intimately connected and I just need to get away from this law thing. And that's the exact right conclusion to come to, but not because the law is bad. You see, here's the thing. Your inability to keep the law doesn't make the law bad. It makes you bad. That's, that's what this is. That's the conclusion. And when you come to that point of despair, I'll never keep it. I'll never do it. I'll never pile the stack of good stuff high enough to get to God. You're left with only one thing, either hopelessness or salvation in Jesus. And that's where we're driven to. The point of the law is to get us to the end of ourselves. So we see our desperate need for Jesus so clear, so vibrant, brilliantly shining upon our souls. You see, what needs to change is you. And that's only possible by the blood of Jesus. Here's how David Guzik says it. Sometimes we think the law in our life will make us more holy. That is living by the principle of the law. But that's not it, my friends. You see, only the sword of grace can slay the dragon of sin. How do you win your war with sin? How do you overcome? How do you live in victory? How do you defeat that ominous creature that looms over you seeking to devour your life? It's the sword of grace. It's God's grace in your life. It's the blood of Jesus that saves you, redeems you. You become dead to trying to keep that law because Jesus did it for you. And then he does it in you. He actually changes you by his grace. You're in a war with sin. And if you're going to win your war, then you need to know that your death to the law unites you to Jesus and his grace. That's how this all works. When you're united to Jesus, there's a result. Something's produced. Something comes out. There is a fruit that happens. And when you bear fruit to God, you bring him glory. That's the meaning and purpose of your life. That's what you were made for. That's what you need to be pursuing. That's what your mind needs to be bent on. Bringing glory to God through the fruit that's produced in your life. You see, when the law of God reveals that you are violating your relationship with him, that you're violating your relationship with Jesus, then what you need to do is, is repent. That means to abandon your sin. Not make excuses for it, not make room for it, not, not say, well, there's just a bunch of reasons why it's actually okay, it's not bad, no. When God's law reveals your sin, you abandon it. You repent and you come to Jesus with it. And he gives you a clean heart and a new mind. You see, for some of you, you need to do that for the first time. You've never given your life to Jesus. You've never understood your need to say, my life is not mine. It's, it's, I'm not going to earn my way to heaven by my good works. I need Jesus to save me. I need Jesus to rescue me. And for you, I would say, cry out to him even now. Ask Jesus to save you and he absolutely will. For, for some of you, some others, this is a day of repentance. You've been saved. You've, you've given your life to Jesus before, but you've been living in sin. You've been thinking that you can have that sin. You've been thinking that maybe you can work your way to salvation and living in the sin of legalism. Or maybe you've been living in the sin of license. Well, God's grace is just going to cover it, so I might as well just do it. Today's the day to repent. Today's the day to abandon that. And for others, maybe you don't have that looming thing that the Holy Spirit's not prompting you and provoking you and, and you're like, you know, life's actually pretty good. Yes, I'm not perfect. I, I do have sin, but you know, I'm, I'm doing well with the Lord. Resolve to stay there. 
Resolve in the Lord. Give me the grace and the power to live this life for your glory and for your purpose. And let that be mine. Let's pray today. Lord God, we thank you for your great word. We thank you for the opportunity to study it. And we thank you for the way that you lay out so clearly how we can win our war with sin. Lord, help us. We are so easily overcome, so easily distracted, so easily taken advantage of by our sinful flesh. Lord, help us to stop trying to live by the law. Instead, to live by your grace. We pray this together in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to Redemption Radio. Thanks for joining Pastor Cody King in this chapter-by-chapter, verse-by-verse study of the Book of Romans. We pray today's teaching has both inspired and challenged you in your faith. We also hope that you'll be eager to study God's Word on your own. If you'd like to listen to this message again or hear more from this Roman series, feel free to visit redemptioncalvary.org. Once you're there, just click on the Sermon tab at the top of the page. There, you'll find an archive of previous messages. Redemption Radio is a ministry of Redemption Calvary in Commerce City, Colorado. We're passionate about preaching and teaching God's Word with the utmost integrity. We meet together at 11 a.m. each Sunday. And if you're in or near the area, we'd love to have you join us. You can find all the information you need, including directions, at redemptioncalvary.org. Again, that's redemptioncalvary.org. If you're unable to meet with us in person, no worries. We live stream our services on Facebook and YouTube. If you have any questions about who we are or about today's teaching, don't hesitate to give us a call at 720-466-5358. Again, that number is 720-466-5358. Thanks for being a part of today's listening audience. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss a single edition of Redemption Radio.